And then that happened enough time. So I asked my, ask myself, how can I recalibrate this? Okay. Make these couple tweaks and now reassess just like taking micro adjustments, collecting your own personal data, whatever it is. And then doing that again until you find the right mix for you. Bill Small. And I'm Miles Hansen. Welcome to The Subtle Art of Not Yelling, a weekly podcast for creatives about the creative process. Learn how to finish what you start, ship your work, and build a business without being the loudest on the block. Less Less noise, noise, more. Miles Biggs returns as our guest today to talk about how he continues to push the boundaries of his potential and put the principles of unseen work to use in his life. So nothing's changed. Nothing's happened since we last spoke, right? <laughs> yeah, Life is no. exactly the same. Life is yeah. exactly the same. That's I'm just, yeah, that's, that's good. For, that's helpful for me to time box it. So if we talked at the end of 2021, <clears throat> since then, I have run three marathons and I have signed up for two ultra marathons. I'm doing my first ultra marathon in September of 2023. And then my second one, which is like the big one that I'm training for right now, is a 50 mile race that'll be in November. So, Done a lot of running since we've talked last, I guess. Yeah. Where to start things. Yeah, we we talked kind of recently and we were talking about David Goggins and unseen work. Uh actually you mentioned that he, he and I read the book and I know what you're talking about. He says unseen work in his book, which is really cool. Yeah, he did. I remember I was listening to that audiobook. <clears throat> like on a 20 mile run or something. It was like on a long run. And so I'm running along and he's talking about it. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, what he's explaining sounds a whole lot like unseen work, which for those of you listening is the name of the book that I wrote. And then he said the phrase and I'm like on the side of the road, it's like four 30 in the morning, just like pumping my fist in the air. Just like, that's so cool. <laughs> uh, it was funny, funny moment, but yeah, I mean, that's definitely what my life has been. I think since I wrote that book has been just like putting that idea into practice. I think we talked about this a little bit last time, but I've, instead of just generalizing it, I, I really like went in specifically on running and like the unsee work behind. If you're going to do a 50 mile race, like I'm setting out to do right now, what does it take to get there uh, specifically? And then just like building new habits and doing a lot of the things I did when I started any sort of creative goal and it's applying some of that same like methodology to running that you might do to do a podcast. What does it take to get to a 50 mile race? Uh, A lot, just a lot of smaller races, right? So it's like anything. This is what I think is fun about the whole idea is because people like psych themselves out over like these big goals you might have, or the idea of running 50 miles is like, it scares me and I've done three marathons, but like legitimately terrifies me. But in general, I found that that's what motivates me the most now is like picking something that scares the shit out of me because then I will not, I will not slack off in preparing for it because I don't want to like physically hurt myself or epically fail or something. So for me, like before I could run 50 miles, it was run one mile, right? It's like the most basic thing. And then, you know, it just, you keep scaling it. So I started training for my first marathon in August of 2021 and I ran it in May of 2022. And then after I finished that first one, I was just like, I could do that faster. And so I signed up for another one in February of 2023 and then another one in May of 2023. And then I dropped time each time I ran it. And then I had a friend that was, he does like hundred mile races or like, just go see how, how many miles can you do in 12 hours? Kind of crazy ultra marathon stuff. And he wanted to do this 50 mile race, but he wanted somebody to do it with him. And so he, he convinced me, I convinced my wife then, cause she was like, don't kill yourself for running 50 miles. We have kids, you know? Uh, and then I signed up. So really though, on a daily, on a daily scale bill, what does it take? It's like, I wake up 
between 3.30 and 4 a.m. every single day. And that's where my day starts. And I'll have like a cup of coffee, watch a little Netflix, stretch it out, you know, have a small breakfast. And I'm outside running for probably at least an hour, if not more, um, most days. And if I'm not running, I'm doing like a strength workout to like build supporting muscles for running. And then it's just uh, scaling the amount of mileage, scaling the amount of time on your feet, getting stronger, and just doing that over and over and over again until you can say casually like, oh, what are you going to do this weekend? Oh, I'm just going to go run, you know, 20 miles. That's like my training run this weekend. And it's like, for me, it's like, that's easy, so to speak, or it's not unheard of, but then other people hear that and they're like, holy shit, how do you, how do you do that? And it could be the same for like, oh, I'm going to, like you were saying, I don't know if we were recording yet, like I just mixed episode 73. Some people might hear that and be like, holy crap, how do you do that? And for you, you're like, I don't know, I just do it. It's just like my daily routine at this point. And that's kind of what it's become for me. It's really interesting that you're talking about this right now because a friend of mine about a month ago asked me if I wanted to do a triathlon with him in September. He's done a bunch over the years. He's done, you know, short ones. He's done long ones. He hasn't done one in a while. So he's like, look, I'm just going to do the rookie sprint. It's not very long. You know, why don't you do it with me? Uh, Because we ride bikes together pretty frequently. And, uh, And truthfully, when he was training for his first uh, triathlon, I was his swim coach. Because oh, cool. really, he's like, would you come watch me swim? And I'm like, yeah. And I watched him. I'm like, you're going to drown, man. Here's what <laughs> you got to do. And he's gotten much better and had other more professional people coach him since. But um, I've spent the last month, first I was really into it. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do it. And then I actually, I hurt my back doing something else. So I had a couple of weeks where I'm like, no way. I'm, yeah. I'm too old. I'm too fragile. I'm good. You know, I'm going to hurt myself. Sure. And then I got out of that and I started coming back around. And it's so interesting that you're saying what you are, because I think about a week ago, I just sat down and went, okay, so if I said yes, what would it take for me to feel good about showing up to do it? Right. Cause yeah. none of it, it's not so big or long that, I mean, I, I could probably survive it right now if I had to. Sure. I'd like to have a little more fun than that. But what would it take? And I literally just broke it down. Okay, well, I'm going to have to do this once a week and this once a week and this once a week. And first of all, can I can I put that in spaces that I have right now? And does that feel good? Would that work for me? Is that something I can commit to? And I don't think I've ever looked at anything quite that way before. I would just go, yeah. And then I'd either do something or I wouldn't, right? Right. Or I'd do something for a while and I'd quit or, you know, whatever. Um, But breaking it down like that into what would it actually take makes it sound a whole lot more doable than it did uh, a couple of weeks ago. And gives me something to realistically commit to or not, you know? Right. Yeah. You can have that honest conversation with yourself once you put it down on paper and say, this is what it is take. Now, am I willing to do this? Yes or no. And then use that to inform the decision. Do you ever wake up in the morning and not want to get out of bed, not want to do your running, not want to stretch? Like, or are you just a fucking machine? Like I know it seems like you are from the outside. <laughs> <laughs> so I would say, you know, I'll answer that in a couple different ways. Today, is there ever? No, not really. Previously, absolutely. When I first started doing it, it sucked. I hated waking up early. I would hit snooze on my phone and then roll over and like miss a day where I'd be like, oh, I wake up and it'd be like, oh crap, I have to get to work. What happened? I'm like mad at myself. Then I hit snooze. And when you're starting anything new, there's pain. It's painful, either like mentally or physically, and you got to get used to it. So I started making small tweaks to make it easier. I've for a while now done small things like set my coffee pot up on a schedule. So there's already coffee when I wake up and I don't have to then like brew a pot, little things like that, or set my breakfast out. So I was doing all of that stuff, getting my clothes ready so that I just like wake up and I don't have to make decisions. You just like execute. The biggest thing that made a change for me for like completely active physically getting out of bed is I've got a bathroom that's attached to my bedroom. And instead of plugging my phone into charge at night with my alarm on my bedside table, 
I now, I moved it into my bathroom. So now when the alarm goes off at 4 a.m., the only way I can get that sound to stop is by physically getting out of bed and going to get my phone. And then it's like, well, I'm out of bed already. I might as well just do this, you know? And then now I just pop out. I, like I used to like lay in bed and like curse myself. Like, what is wrong with me? Why am I doing this? And now I don't. And if what's funny is now my dog, I have a seven-year-old dog. She is now trained to wake up that early. So I don't, I don't even have to set an alarm anymore. I still do. But if I don't, she's barking like, it's time to eat breakfast, get out of bed. And she's like making all sorts of noise and I got to go and deal with her because I don't want my two young kids to wake up or my wife to wake up. So it's, I've sort of created the environment around myself that I need to support that so that there's no, like, I can make excuses, but they just don't stick anymore. I just go and do it. I, man, I love, love that you just uh, talked about just getting up early. That's tough for most people that I know. I mean, I know people who just, they just wake up. It's, it's, it's what they do. They don't even, they don't even like that, but they just do. <laughs> yeah. I've never had that, still don't have that. And the way that you're talking about just making these small tweaks to make that easier and ultimately over time make it stick. You could you can apply that to so many things. That's fantastic. Yeah, I think and what you said about the triathlon rings true for me too. Like you just have to do it. And that's what my has been my attitude. And why I say that is because everybody suffers from analysis paralysis at some degree. So we build up what we think might happen instead of actually starting and addressing what is actually happening. And so by just starting, by setting my alarm that first day to wake up early, I learned what actually is going to happen is I'm going to hit snooze, not remember it and go back to sleep and miss the workout and be pissed at myself for the rest of the day. And then that happened enough time. So I asked my, ask myself, how can I recalibrate this? Okay. Make these couple tweaks and now reassess just like taking micro adjustments, collecting your own personal data, whatever it is, and then doing that again until you find the right mix for you. And then you do that on enough small things. It adds up to big things where now it's just like, I'm doing, I'm, I'm attempting to do things that I never would have dreamed before, but now they're very possible because I've just built it up over time. Yeah. And I want to uh, illuminate that you said the right mix for you. Yeah. yeah and oh, I yeah. think that people get screwed up with that too, because they, they watch other people or they talk to other people who are doing maybe something they want to do. And then they try to just do whatever that person does and it doesn't end up working for them. And then they feel like shit. They don't, they don't do it. But it really is finding how you work, finding what works for you. How can you, you know, do yeah. the thing? Yeah. And so then like you asked what has changed. And so running has changed. We're talking a little bit about that. But then um, I've taken this approach to like everything now. Like I started when we first talked the last time and we talked a lot about my podcast and the book and like how did I write a book and like habits I built around that. I've applied that stuff to running, but then going deeper, like, I, I used to self-identify as somebody that didn't have like self-control. Like if back when I used to drink alcohol and I haven't drank for like 40 years now, if I was going to have one beer, I'd have six. Like if I, if the bottle of wine got open, I was not going to have one glass. I was, I would drink the entire bottle. It was just like admittedly not healthy. And, but I cut it out. I don't, I haven't drank in four years, but similarly, like I used to have problems with, desserts like i love ice cream i love christmas cookies like i oh my gosh too much and so like this year for christmas i told myself like i'm not having a single christmas cookie and i didn't and then when 2023 started i was like new year's resolution i was like i'm not having any desserts this year like no birthday cake no ice cream i started with christmas cookies i proved myself i can do it i'm cutting out like sweets and so i cut sweets out about eight months ago i stopped eating meat and went vegetarian and so I think what's interesting about it is like, you know, again, to quote myself a little bit with unseen work, the idea of passive unseen work, how like unrelated things, you can combine them. I hadn't been giving myself credit for where I did have discipline in other areas like my athletic pursuits and could build habits and stick to them and say no to certain things in order to say yes to others, like waking up early and training. And when I allowed that 
realization to come into like other parts of my life to be like, okay, no, you actually do. You're just telling yourself this wrong story. You can apply the same sort of mindset you have to train into a marathon to, or that you're done with stop drinking alcohol four years ago to like being more healthy and having a vegetarian diet, cutting out sweets, whatever it might be. Like I, like I carry this water bottle with me and I look, it takes up our whole freaking frame. I drink, I drink like a gallon and a half or sometimes two of these, uh, every single day. And I've been doing that for like three years. And so similarly, I work remotely for a company and this will come into view and people will be like, what the hell is that? And then I get, I get in a whole story of like what I'm doing and my habits and people look at me like I'm insane. And I probably am and I'm okay with that, but it's just like, uh, it's, it's a compilation over time where I'm like really into it now where it's like, what else can I like hack in a, in a cheesy way to my own benefit my, for my way? Cause I feel like what I uncovered was the thing that works for me and I can now apply it to like so many things and then just be like optimized to me instead of trying to do it the way other people have told me for so long. And then having that become a source of stress and anxiety, I found like my way to do things and I'm just going all in on it now. Damn. Yeah. It all comes back to just action. Like you're just an action taker and you, um, it sounds like you're pretty good at like silencing the noise, not listening to all the inputs around you, but instead just taking the first step, seeing what you learned from that. Um, I recently was kind of forced, my hand was forced to get into running for this little, this fitness program that I went through for three months and I like accidentally fell in love with running and it just woke me up to, you know, just do it and keep doing it and you'll learn what works for you what worked like i learned about shoes like the shoes that you wear when you run are i never thought about that like it's it makes the biggest difference um and and i learned a whole bunch of other things and that only came through doing it and my relationship with running is going to be different than other people's um i have one big question i wanted to ask you about the running and i I do want to kind of like dip into other areas yeah. but the nice thing is it's all kind of one big bucket um why sure. do you run it's a great question so i ask myself that some days when i'm out there uh a funny side story there was one morning i woke up super early it was in the winter because i looked at the weather for the next day and there was like a nor'easter coming in i live in pittsburgh and the snow was supposed to start at like 9 a.m. And I was like, well, I'm supposed to do like 18 miles. If I get up here, I could get my run in before the snow starts. And I, I thought I was really smart and had it all timed. But so I'm out and I'm like 10 miles from my house and the snow starts. And I'm like, I got to turn around and get, <laughs> and get back. And I watched in that morning, it start from like 40 degrees and like overcast to slowly get cold, start to drizzle, start to flurry, start to snow, start to blizzard, start to like white out condition. And by the time I got back, I was covered in snow, literally like my, my arm, my arms on my like hoodie were frozen, like in the bent arm for running pose. And I walked into the door, my beard's all covered with snow. My eyelashes were frozen. And the first thing my wife says is like, I hate you so much right now. She was just, she was just so mad at me for putting myself in that position. But I was like, I fucking did it. Like I just conquered mother nature. <laughs> it was awesome. So anyway, that's a roundabout way to kind of answer. Like why, mm. why do I run? That's one of the reasons why, like, I love that feeling of doing stuff. Other people won't of being the pre- like, somebody's going to look out that window that morning and be like, there's no way I'm working. And then they watch me one run past their window. And they're like, that guy's fucking crazy. Like, I love <laughs> those moments. And I somewhat manufacture them for myself, but there were definitely people driving on the road that day that, I know were giving me some weird looks as all that was happening. So I thrive off that. I run for my kids. Like one of the coolest things that has happened to me in this whole process that keeps me doing it um, has been the fact that now my kids, I have a five-year-old and two-year-old will play marathon around the house. Like they'll go pick up a finisher medal I have laying around, put it on, just start running around and say like, dad, let's play marathon. And like, you stand here and give me a high five as I come past. Cause they'll come watch me and they do that. And it's cool for me to think about what their childhood's going to be like, their life's going to be like, because they will have watched me do what I'm doing. And that's really neat. And now we do like family 5Ks and they're starting to get into it. And that's something like nobody in my family exercised full stop, like it just didn't happen. So to see like 
a new example being set is pretty cool. And then one morning my son came down, he woke up and he was dressed in running clothes and was like, dad, can we go, can I go running with you today? And like, I had already gone and run like 10 miles and come back. But of course I was like, yeah, dude, let's go. And so I went out on like a run with him for a little bit. And that was just really, really cool. The example of like kids model the behavior that you exhibit, not just like what you tell them to do. And so that like knowing that that's the example I'm setting um, is awesome. God dang it, Miles. What? God dang it. You're going to do the triathlon now, aren't you? Now I'm going to have to do that (laughs) fucking triathlon. God dang it. Yep. Sorry. Well, not sorry. You should do it. Do it. (laughs) Um, What I was going to say, though, that's like why I do it now. It started, though. I started because I wasn't running towards anything, really. Like, I consider those things I'm running toward. Like, I'm running towards that new goal, towards making people think I'm crazy because I get a kick out of it, towards, like, setting an example for my kids. I totally started running from my own anxiety. I was very open about this in the book. I started the book off this way. Like there was a period in my life when I was on antidepressants because I just like didn't like the situation I was in. And it was like literally eating me alive. I've since weaned myself off of it. And I think one of the reasons I'd be able to do that, you know, aside from stopping drinking alcohol and like definitely living a healthier lifestyle helps, but running is like that new addiction versus alcohol could be an addiction for me that or something. Right. And it just helps keep me sane, mentally sane. I show up to work and I've already been up for like four hours. I've already run 10 plus miles. I've chosen to do all of these incredibly hard things. And it makes it that much easier to handle things that are hard that I don't choose that come my way. Like they happen to me, not for me, but I can handle them better because mentally I'm just like the strongest I've ever been. It just builds that self-confidence. So I think that's the cool part about running though is because it evolves as you evolve and like the why you start will be different from why you do it today and will be you know why you do it tomorrow will be different again that's powerful man it's so simple it's so simple that it's like you just need some yeah. shoes and you can just run i uh i love how consistent you are i kind of envy you sometimes i know i can do it <laughs> but i'm definitely not where you are uh just full transparency but it's funny like i will have this voice in my head just yesterday um i went i did this long program i I think i told you about it it's our our friend mutual friend ali started it i'm helping him with it and i went through the program myself it was three months and it was a huge shock to the system the mind everything it was like a reset it was fucking awesome and i had the accountability he was basically just telling me what to do I uh, was running all the time, lifting. Um, and when I got to the end of it and you don't have that accountability, I mean, I didn't completely gain all the weight back and just not do anything. But I have been far less disciplined and consistent and it's not where I necessarily want to be. So we're working on like a maintenance plan. Like how can we kind of, you know, input some yeah. more accountability? But it's just crazy. Like the other day I, I was like, oh, I should go run. And then the voice came into my head and it was like, well, I have these things to do on the computer. Like, let me do that first. And then I said, no, just fucking go outside and run. And it's like, I had to override it and get outside as quick as possible because if I didn't, I wasn't going to run that day. Yeah. And I don't know where I'm going with this other than it's just fucking crazy. The mental chatter. I think it's just like so loud for me yeah. at least. And it all just comes back to like, how can you just, when the thought comes up to go run or whatever it is, just fucking pull the trigger. And and I don't know if it's like, you have to make a non-negotiable with yourself. Like you just, you have to do it every day or do you have like a checklist? Do you track your, do you track your, your runs in any way? Uh, yeah. So I, I, my wife got me a running watch. You can see like that schnazzy right thing right there. Um, I, I, so I ran my first two marathons without any sort of running watch and with no idea of what pace I was actually running while I was doing the marathon, which is like the dumbest thing that you could probably ever do. Uh, because so much of it is like, you have to be aware of like your pace on mile one so that you know, you're going to be where you need to be mile 26. It's very easy in a marathon as in life to get swept away and start chasing other people and the races they're running. Some guy could zoom past me. And if I'm 
want to, you know, think I'm a hot shot and keep up with him. I could do that for maybe a mile or two, but then I'm going to screw myself later. It's true in running as it is in life, right? Like run your own race, do your own thing. Again, going back to finding your own way of doing something. So I track it. I've got training plans for whatever race I'm doing, where I know if my goal is to run 50 miles, like Bill, what you were saying is like, what has to be true for that to be true? I work it back to a certain number of weeks. And then it's like, I'm on week one day, whatever. And here's what I'm doing. And, um, my, my wife has since hired me to be like her personal trainer since I've started on this, uh, cause she wants to get back into working out. So what I do now for both of us is I've got an eight and a half by 11 piece of computer paper on the fridge and there's a column for each day of the week. And then there's a row for me, a row for her. And then a row for like, what's our menu for the family going to be that week? Like what's our meal going to be? So we can do a grocery list. And so I've got it up for the like two weeks at a time. So I can know, like you know, say in the top week five, Monday, what is miles doing? What is Claire doing? And tonight we're having, you know, whatever lasagna or something. Right. And then it's like, you don't have to make the decision what I want for dinner later. It's like make the lasagna. You already have the ingredients because you went shopping, get it done. So that's one way. And then, you know, another thing I do is it's why, it's why I do it early in the morning is to your point, miles about like that voice in my head. I'm not really a morning person. I don't wake up excited to do anything. But what that means is I don't have those other thoughts in my head about the things I should be doing besides running. I'm just kind of like in a zombie state, sipping my coffee, watching half an hour of, of BS on Netflix, eating at a girl at a bar, and then I just run. So like I'm not like I do it at a time when like those competing voices aren't they're not even awake yet, so that it's easier to focus just on running. And then it's done for the day, and you can just focus on all the other things that you need to do for work or for family or whatever when all of that stuff is active because your friends aren't up at 4 a.m. My kids aren't up at 4 a.m. Work's not happening at 4 a.m. So like in a way I've made it so distractions aren't even possible as long as I get up and go out and do it. And then another point to make about what you said about your three months and you stop to me, what that's become the difference between working out and training. I've seen a lot of people talk about this, but like you could work out for three months and like get great results. But if you don't have some goal, like in the future you're training for that, it's easier for the discipline to fade away. So that's why I keep signing up for races and like longer distances and things that I haven't done before that keep me engaged and energized and something to train for, because there's a specificity that comes with training. There's a timeline. There's like a looming thing that has to happen versus just, I'm going to go work out for 30 minutes today. Cause like, I guess I should, and I have to, it takes on a completely different meaning when you're training for that, you know, big thing you're trying to conquer. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, about 20 years ago, I did a, <clears throat> a charity bike ride from Boston to New York. Oh, that's cool. And signed up for it, you know, three or four more months beforehand. So I yeah. promise you, I rode a lot of bike before then. Exactly. <laughs> a whole yeah. lot, you know, cause I was training for this thing. Um, and I've thought about that a lot. I'm probably not going to be particularly consistent with any kind of exercise unless there is a purpose somewhere in there, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of the same thing with my diet. This is another thing I applied where like, we all know we should eat healthy. Right. Um, and like I said, I've had problems with self-control. Like I'm the kind of guy that like, I wouldn't have, I'd have a steak for dinner and a steak for dessert. You know, like I love, like, I love food. I have a zest for life. It's not the best thing for me. You know, I've had high cholesterol since I was 19. It runs in my family genetically. Like every man on my dad's side of the family going back like three generations has had a heart attack at age 50. It's like not, not great genes to be bestowed with. Right. Um, so that's always been in the back of my mind. And like, I know I should do things about it. And that's part of the reasons why I exercise as well. But, um, no, it seemed like no matter what I did, high cholesterol was always a thing. And so I kept saying to myself, well, I guess there's nothing I can do about it, right? It's just genetics or whatever. And then I watched a documentary about um, meatless athletes, vegan and vegetarian athletes, and how they have found benefits in like reduced inflammation and quicker recovery times and actually able to build muscle mass. It was like super interesting. And so it got me thinking about marathon running. Cause if anybody listening to this, if you run a marathon, like your legs are pretty inflamed and sore the next couple of days. So I was like, let's be interesting. If, if I stop eating meat, you meaning I won't be in as much pain after a race like that is, that intrigues me. 
But then even more than that, they talked about benefits of reduced cholesterol and heart disease and things like that. And so for three months, <clears throat> I was like, let's do a test. Let's just stop eating meat. And I just stopped cold turkey like the next day, just announced to my wife, I'm no longer eating meat. And she was like, great. Another thing, you know, uh, I love her. She, she puts up with me and all my craziness. But I was like, yeah, I'm going to do it for three months and I'm going to get my cholesterol already tested. And I'm going to see what happens because I want to see what see what what it'll do. My cholesterol dropped by 50 points. And for the first time since I was 19 was in like the normal range. So then I was just like, all right, like done. I am no longer eating meat. I'm a vegetarian and have just given myself over to it. Going back to one of the reasons I why, which is I run, which is my kids, right? Why I run. So it's like now if I can break that mold of having a heart, not having a heart attack at 50, like that'd be awesome. Um, but so to me, it's like, now I now approach the food I eat like training. It's going to support training for an event, but it's like just training for that looming deadline I have of a, a race at 50 potentially to the emergency room. If I have a heart attack, like all the other men in my family, and hopefully I avoid that one. So it gets kind of fun for me. It's like, we're all just walking like science experiments and like what we can do to like optimize how we approach everything is just super interesting. I love just tinkering around and seeing what the effect is and just getting to be the better version of myself every day. Test, learn, grow. <laughs> hey, there you go. The name of the pod yes, your podcast um, with your company. Uh, that's really, that's really cool to hear you say that because I'm like learning more about my family and I have a very similar situation. Like every man at, you know, around that age, um, that's a really powerful why your kids, your, your own health and being there beyond 50. Um, and I love that you just, you watched something. It was, you know, it informed you and then you tested it for yourself instead of like, you know, all the other options, you just tested it, you saw what happened and then you decided that it worked for you. It's that, it's that simple. Yeah. Um, I learned something about myself recently. I took a personality test called the predictive index and <clears throat> it, one of the attributes that it gave me about myself is that I'm, I'm results oriented. <laughs> surprise, surprise, right? But I think here, seeing that on paper and the results of the test, I was like, oh, okay. So like, I get, I, it makes sense now a little bit. Like, this is why I do gravitate towards the action and like, let's just do it and get the results. And so knowing that about myself, again, it's like, so how can I, how can I find way, more ways to like introduce this into things that I'm doing? And going back to what works for you, like not everybody listening to this is going to be results oriented. Like just starting it might not work for you, but it's, it's just taking, finding whatever your thing is and doing it. Right. And I think that that's definitely the, the important thing. But for me, it's definitely, yeah, it's just like, just start it. And especially like you said, let's just test it. That's the way I think about it. It's like, you can, you can do anything for three months or like try anything once. Just like, what's the worst that can happen? You learned it's not the right thing. Great. You yep. can do another one until you find what the right exactly. thing is. Um, I wanted to change gears, Bill, unless you had something. But so, um, so marketing, <laughs> what the hell is happening? What's new in the marketing world? Yeah. And what um, I know you've kind of like switched a little bit your role, I think, in the past maybe year or two. What, do you, what, like, what are yeah. you doing on a day-to-day and what are you enjoying? What are you playing around with? What are you testing, learning, growing inside of the firm? Yeah, sure. So yeah, stuff has changed. When we spoke last, my role at my company was director of strategic projects. And I was doing all sorts of stuff um, in that very broad role, as it might sound. Uh, since then, the company I work for took on a private equity investment. And so we got an infusion of capital, we're growing, hiring people, looking to start acquiring additional marketing agencies. And so we're scaffolding the company to support like some massive growth coming up. And so I took on a new role recently, um, AVP of resource management. And so I'm accountable for HR, hiring, uh, training and development, IT, um, revenue forecasting, variable staffing, budgeting, and um, just general overall process improvement for the company. It's probably going to change here again soon, again, to take more of a focus in on the process improvement um, part 
you know, surprise, surprise, I like to figure out ways to optimize results in my personal life. And I, I'm sort of doing that. I'm sort of, I am doing that um, for my day job at a marketing agency. So that's what I'm working on. And it's, 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 it's coming to fruition in a lot of different ways. Um, we're working on rolling out agile marketing as a, as a way of working. And there's a lot of different frameworks that fall under the umbrella of agile that we could dig into if we wanted, but I'm I'm getting some certifications in that regard that I'm excited about. And then you cannot stop this, uh, AI train, which I know you're passionate about miles. And so it's figuring out how to leverage tools like chat GPT or or mid journey and other AI tools to help not necessarily replace people, right. But amplify what they're doing so they can get certain things done faster and spend more time on the human work that robots can't do yet. So that's, that's the day stuff and marketing stuff. Awesome, man. Yeah. AI is wild. Um, what do you see? Like, how are you seeing that um, starting to embed itself in your work and just marketing in general? Like what, I was like super freaked out by it at first. Obviously, a lot of people are. And then I was like, oh, it's actually really cool if you learn how to like use it with you instead of like replacing you and, and all that. Um, but there's a lot of fear around it. And what is your, what's your process been? What's your reaction been? Uh, and where does it stand now? Yeah, I feel like people are afraid of it just like people are afraid of running a marathon is because they don't know what's going to happen. And so then they assign this like morbid outlook to it. Right. When really, if you just start, like we're talking about, you learn it's not that bad and you can, you can do it. So the way I, the way I treat something like ChatGPT, because that's the popular one that a lot of people are talking about is like, I work remotely, right? Like when we end this call, I'm going to be by myself in the basement of where I am my house. Right. So ChatGPT is like, your buddy that you can talk to, that you can type with. And it learns as it's talking with you, how you think your preferred methods for certain things. And so I've trained, I've trained it in a few different capacities where if there's the type of task I do that might be more administrative, like I need to write a job description or I need to come up with a training for something. I have taught it the different frameworks that me and my company like to use for those things to like, here's our job description template. And it now knows the like about us section and what our benefits are and all this good stuff. So now I can just go to it and say, I need a new job description for the following position title reporting to this position. Here are some bullet points about it, like go and it will do it. And it'll remember all the other things I've talked about and I'll add them in. I could say like, use the template we've established and it knows what I'm talking about and it does it. So where I might've been staring at a blank word document for five minutes going, all right, what am I going to talk about here? It's like, again, you just start and it's like got a bias towards action and you start telling it, you can tell ChatGPT, like, I need you to act like a chief human resources officer at a marketing agency with a hundred employees, like, and just start telling it how you want it to show up in the conversation. And then it'll act that way. And you could train it with different inputs as such. So I've done that for like creating trainings interviewing somebody in my company did this. I can't take credit for this. So Brad, if you ever listen to this, this is him, but with plugins on ChatGPT that can have it interact with PDFs before he's interviewing somebody, he's got one trained up to respond to inputs like this. He'll say like, we're interviewing for this position. Here's the job description. It'll ingest it. Cool. Now here's the person's resume. It'll ingest it based on the job description and the resume what are areas that this person seems to be well qualified for and what are gaps in their work experience that would keep them from being successful? And it'll say, and I'll say, cool, now give me some interview questions to get to the heart at why those gaps are on the resume. And I'll give him interview questions. And then he'll record the interview, put the transcript of the interview in and say, this is our interview based on what they said in responses to those questions. Like, should we hire them or not essentially? And it'll give an opinion on like, we think they'd be good or not good. And so I think it's really great for remote work, especially where you would have the benefit of having a coworker in the office to bounce and have those same conversations off of. And we, we have that and could set it up virtually, but people's schedules are what they are. Like it gives you more autonomy to get to the result quicker. And it's just super interesting. There's a lot of different ways you can do it, do things like that. I've, and I've used to tell me with the Excel formulas, like I'm stuck. I can't get a formula to work. I'm like, 
here's my workbook. Here are the spreadsheet names. Here's what all the columns are. I'm trying to get it to do this. It's not working. Why? And it's like, oh, because you're an idiot and you messed this up, fix it. And I'm like, cool. And then I'm done. And I would have spent hours in the bowels of Reddit <laughs> trying to find an answer or something. And now it just gave it to me. So I'm really interested. You said that you're uh, kind of work on the HR side of things at the moment. Yeah. And uh, I'm, you know, given my role uh, in life, part of my role in life as a coach, I'm always really interested in in how people are approaching their human resource departments, especially at smaller organizations. Um, because obviously, you know, there are some of the things you mentioned, you know, hiring and firing and job descriptions. And of course, there's a lot of, uh, you know, benefits and legalities and things that have to be yeah. in there. But there's also that whole other side of people and how do you support people at being successful in their roles and uh, have them continue to grow and have the, especially in a remote situation, have everybody actually feel like they're working together in some way. Um, yeah. Could you talk a little bit about how you approach that, how you're, company approaches that, what things that you are trying to do sure. around that? Yeah. Um, a lot of the way we do it, like as much as I'd love to take credit for it was like in place at this company when I started about two years ago, like I feel like they were ahead of the curve on a lot of this stuff and huge commitment from the CEO and the president and COO on this. Like they, they're like, it's very much a people first organization, but um, we do bi-weekly one-on-ones between employees and their managers. So every other week for an hour, you're having a dedicated session with your manager to talk about your job pathing, any barriers that are coming up in your day, like getting support on whatever. So like setting aside dedicated time for that, because especially remotely, you can't just knock on somebody's office, so to speak, and like steal that time. So making space for that time is important. We have a, a official review cycle that's every six months instead of every year. So like quicker cycles for you know, more of that specific formal feedback versus the informal, the biweekly one-on-ones. Um, so that's huge. Lots of different training opportunities. Like I just led an hour and a half training session today for all the managers on this topic, how to, how to build connected teams in a remote environment and focusing on inclusivity and like all that kind of stuff. And how do you do it remotely? So we're, we're training on it and making sure all the managers have the tools. Um, we'll reimburse for any like, personal development or business books people want to buy and, and read to better themselves as humans so they can be show up better in their roles at work. We'll support that. Um, and then uh, I'm trying to think of the best way to like say this succinctly where I'll just keep talking for an hour. But I think, I think it all comes down to like what themes of what we've been talking about is like whether it's AI and people get scared of AI because it might replace a job or you could get scared of remote work because you're not going to be connected. It's like so much of it's just intention, I guess. Like you could set out to, with the intention for AI to replace a person and sure you can make that happen. And you could set out to have a really shitty employee experience in a remote work because it's, you know, you're not going to have all those things that you would if you're in person. Or you can set out to be like, all right, like we're going to build the company that we want to work in and like have it be driven by empathy and focus on people first and give them opportunities for, you know, with clear professional development plans and succession planning and, you know, weekly all company meetings where everybody's coming together to, to talk and share learnings across the teams, like all the kind of stuff that we do. And then, then it happens, right? Then the result is you've got a, a really great culture and people that are connected, even though like we have people across 20 different states, all different time zones doing, doing different stuff. But you know, we've been able to build really strong relationships from that people's perspective because we're investing the time into doing it, making it a priority. Intention. That's such a good take. I, I, I totally agree with that. Um, everything is just random without intention, you know? Right. So, dude, what's like... I don't know what's next. Um, is there anything with unseen work that uh, you're excited about? I know you're like super focused on level. Yeah. And that's taking up a lot of your time and you got a family and you're running your ass off. Is there anything like lingering? Cause I know there always is for you. Is there anything lingering 
around unseen work or a podcast or anything in the future? Yeah, there is actually, of course, right? As you know me. <laughs> but what was a really cool moment for me recently, this happened just recently, is somebody reached out to me through my like author Facebook page I made like three years ago. And I was like, I should have this if I'm publishing a book. And they invited me to come speak at their a business conference about unseen work. And it was just like completely out of the blue. Like, hey, read the book, think the topic would be awesome, found you on here reaching out. And I had a conversation with the executive director of the organization and we hit it off and they're going to pay to bring me out to speak. They're going to buy copies of the book for everybody, you know, all that kind of stuff. And it was just like a random Tuesday, it opened up my phone and had this message. I was like, this is so cool. And so now I got to, you know, get to work writing a speech again, like I did for the TED talk, but it's going to be a lot of the type of stuff we talked about today and like how I'm applying unseen work and how I found like personal habits can lead to professional habits and, you know, just in general, like become better versions of yourself. Um, so I'm excited for that. And then, um, running, I've reached a point with running where I actually am not like hating every run. Cause I definitely, like, I didn't accidentally fall in love with it. Like you said, Miles, I had to force myself to fall in love with it. Cause I know I need to keep doing it. Um, I feel more, I fall more in love with the feeling I get after I finish the big goal than I do with like the actual act of running every day. But I've gotten to a point now where uh, it's like a nice moving meditation for me. And I've started my my process that worked for the book where I'm, I'm talking to my phone and recording like audio snippets of ideas that are happening. That'll turn into something. You know, my first podcast was called Relish the Journey. And I said when I made that one that it was so broad on purpose, but it could also be niche down. It could be Relish the Journey of insert whatever word, right? And so what I'm thinking is actually going to happen is like taking the same thought process for that podcast, but focusing on running, like relish the journey running and do more conversations like this with other people who are crazy like me and wake up at 4am and run and do marathons and ultra marathons. And what have they learned from it and taken? Cause my, my favorite part about doing the podcast was just everything I got to learn firsthand from other people that were pursuing their passions and dreams. And it sort of like seeps into you, whether you want it, what do you mean to it or not? Like you take a piece of H interview with you and end up applying it to your own life, which is a lot of the reasons why I'm even able to do the stuff I do today, I think is because like all those people had an effect on me. And so I'm excited to get back and to do something like that and have it creep its way back into my running career and other areas of my actual career and family life and all that good stuff. So that's there's a couple awesome. things on the horizon. That's so cool that, uh, that's such a great niche to take something that you did that was really broad and bring it into that niche. So running niche is huge and it's really powerful. So I, uh, I definitely see that working for you. Um, and then what you said about like basically just an excuse to talk to people and then you're absorbing, you know, all these really cool things from experience, interesting people like yourself. That's exactly what Bill and I um, realized why we started this. Like we didn't necessarily set out for that. But that's my favorite part about this too, is just connecting with people. So that's awesome, man. I'm excited to watch all that come to life. Thanks. Appreciate it. Yeah, though I'm not sure I'm into connecting with people who now I feel like I have to do a triathlon because Miles is going to know if I didn't. So <laughs> <laughs> Just be looming over your subconscious. Until yes, you do I'll it. be thinking about you. I'll be seeing your face. Your face will be going, come on, man, just do it. You should do it. Well, Bill, you know, you can't run, you can't run other people's races. You know, you got to stay in your lane. There you go. So (laughs) remember that. Shut up, Miles. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, I tell you what though, I really look forward to talking to you again after your 50 mile uh, experience. Yeah, I'm happy to do it. If nothing else, just to find out what that was like, you know? The crazy thing about that one is you're not allowed to wear headphones at all. No listening devices. So the race, the race specific race is called the JFK 50 miler. It's in Maryland. And it was like JFK, like required all of his officers to do a, like March 50 miles or something. It's like the history of, it's like the longest continuous running ultra marathon in the U S a portion of it's on the Appalachian trail. So it's Rocky and like up and down a mountain. And then, 
but so no headphones, like every race I run in most training runs, I'm listening to music and just like, or an audiobook or something. So I think it's going to be more of a mental thing than anything, just like you and your thoughts and the sound of your feet on the ground for 50 miles, which is going to take probably nine or 10 hours to do is going to be a lot. It's going to be interesting. Are you going to train without headphones? Yeah, I started to like wean myself off a little bit. Not every run yet, but slowly, like I'm going to have to. And I signed up for a 32 mile race in September before the 50. And I'm not going to wear headphones for that race nice. just to get like, got to train like the race is going to be right. So that you're not sure. surprised and it'll be interesting. I'll probably just be the crazy one out there. Like I'll start singing to myself and I'm not going to give a shit if it bothers anybody else. I'll just be out there <laughs> in my own world. got to do something to get through it. You know? Yeah. I think you probably have to go a little crazy. At that distance, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love I mean, it. There's no other option. <laughs> well, I can't wait to hear about it, man. And and I, man, thank you so much for coming back. And uh, yeah, I appreciate you having me back. I love doing this stuff. It's fun. I love being a guest on podcast because you never know what the exact questions are going to be, and sometimes you don't even know what your answers are going to be until your mouth is moving and you're talking. So I always learn something about myself when I listen back to these interviews. I'm like. That was a good thing I said. I should I should dig into that piece more, like on my own time. So I appreciate the opportunity to come back and to have some of those moments with you both. Awesome, man. Well, I'm going to go run now because you've inspired the hell out of me. Go do it. Get it done. I'm not, but I'll see you soon. <laughs> Bill's going to swim in bike for his travel. Yeah. That's what he's going to do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The world is overwhelming. We're constantly being pulled in a million directions, and it's only going to get worse. So much of what we're sold online is about planning, strategizing, and thinking. But doing is the hardest and most important part. The box is where projects get finished. In the box, you'll organize, prioritize your projects, and finish what you start. You won't learn anything new. You'll simply get a lot done and be a part of a small community of doers. Go to theboxworkshop.com. Hey, thanks for listening today. We can't do this without the support of our listeners. So please leave us a review or sign up for our newsletter at subtleartofnotyelling.com.